Hey, this is uh, Will Fortasio. Hi, this is Brian Esrelli. This is Freddie Williams. Hi, this is Lee Bermeo. Hi, this is Matt Wagner. Hey, this is Tim Sale. Hi, this is Nadia DeFolidis. And Christina Weir. Hey, this is Ethan Van Skybro. Hey, I'm Dustin Wynn. Hi, this is Kevin Van Hope, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Everybody and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number twenty-two. I'm your host Dustin, and as always, we have with us it's Apple. You got Josh. We are bringing you the latest comic news from the past two weeks, as well as your upcoming trade paperbacks, and we are bringing you your comic reviews from the past two weeks as well. We will have your upcoming releases. We have a review of Batman: The Brave and the Bold by the kids that we have. That's actually an episode late, but we will have it this episode for you, as well as Bad Books for Beginners, which in this one we'll be covering Batman Going Sane. What's going down? So let's get into comic news. There's not a ton of news to actually go over, not like the previous podcast. Really, the first thing we have after we recorded the last one was there was an interview that Frank Quietly talked about Batman and Robin, the comic, with Newsarama on June 3rd. There's not really anything worthwhile going over. He was just kind of talking about how how he had to deal with the hiding the identity of Batman before it was actually revealed in Battle for the Cow by drawing the cover that he had. Newsarama also asked him, what's it like to be working with Grant on a normal basis considering you guys work together on All-Star Superman and now you've working on Batman and Robin and his response was you know I just get bits and pieces to read and I follow most of it but it's a big story that I just kind of take it as it goes so you can check out the interview on the website it's under Frank Quietly Talks Batman and Robin if you're interested in that but like I said there's not a whole lot of information spoilerish that came out of it to really talk about on June 3rd, also, Batman Robin, the first issue, was released, and it was met with critical acclaim by tons of different websites, Newsrama, Comic Book Resources, IGN Comics. They all had critical acclaim, and there was a image that was released by the source that also was at the back of Batman Robin that featured some things that we can expect to see in the future. One of the images is Robin, as we know, the new Robin's Damien, ripping off his cape and walking away from Batman. Another one is this person in Red Hood costume, dressed up holding two red guns with some girl behind him. Then there's Batwoman fighting Batman while another Batman watches. And then there's somebody who is wearing a mask who has the keys to Wayne Manor. It looks like Dr. Her. That's who I thought it was. Right, and it kind of does look like him. Is it him? It would make sense because this is a Morrison book, and they, they might actually get some resolve out of the Doctor Hurt before Morrison's off the bat books for good. Um, yeah, so, wrapping up that that storyline a little bit yeah. more. So that's the images that came. We can expect to see some of this stuff within the next couple months. I'm assuming. Now the the source also released on June 5th the Batman Robin cover for num- Batman Robin number four that's going to be hitting stores in September. Now, this plays into the Red Hood aspect where Batman and Robin are actually looking at a screen that has this Red Hood and this girl that's with the Red Hood with the words, the fight against crime grows up. So my thought is that 
we're probably, I'm imagining this is Jason Todd, the Red Hood. It's just, I mean, we could be completely off, but I'm imagining it's that, and the fact that Jason Todd's going against Dick Grayson is kind of going to play into it. I don't know why that girl's there, or if the girl's actually supposed to be anybody that we know. When we get into the reviews, there's other girls that look exactly like this, so it could just be somebody from this new Circus of Strange that is teaming up with Red Hood to take down Batman. Mm-hmm. Alright, so then on June 8th, the new Batgirl cover was released, and there's a little bit of discussion about this. Basically, Batgirl's sitting down, putting on some yellow boots, and her costume is black and yellow, very similar to Barbara Gordon version that a lot of people know. So, once again, it sparks the rumors of, is this Barbara Gordon? We'll get into this a little bit more during our discussion later on. But it's interesting just because this costume seems completely different than the costume that was on the cover of number one. Which again, we'll discuss a little bit more about why, I personally think why that is. We're going to have the next cover be uh, the Betty Kane costume from the 50s. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so just as a word of the wise, if anybody's not checking out the source, you really need to be checking out the source on a daily basis. They're posting all kinds of stuff. The week of June 8th through June 12th, there was a ton of previews for all kinds of comics coming out that were posted. The source posted previews for Streets of Gotham, number one, and Gotham City Sirens, number one. Obviously, by the time you're listening to this, one of those books will already be out, and that's why it's worth checking out the our website, thebatmanuniverse.net, and over in the comic news section as well as the source, to find out what previews are available. And it'll give you an insight of what you can expect in some of these books that you might be hesitant to buy. Also, Newsrama posted a preview for Batman Confidential, and IGN posted a preview for Batman number 687, Red Robin number 1. So, like I said, there's plenty of places that are posting previews for these new books, and I'm sure as we get closer to the release of some of these other books, we'll see some previews. So make sure you're checking out the BatmanUniverse.net to see the previews, so that way you can decide whether or not the book is going to be worth picking up. Alright, so the next bit of news we have is on June 10th. It was announced that Chip Kidd is going to be writing a full-length Batman comic. Now, if you don't know exactly who Chip Kidd is and you're a bat fan, obviously you haven't seen very many books related to Batman for the past 10 years. He's written numerous books relating to the Dark Knight, including the most recent Bat Manga, which goes over the history of Batman in Japan. Recently, on a Twitter post from Chip Kidd himself, he announced that he will be writing a full-length Batman comic in the future. No word on how many issues or whether or not it would be a new title or an ongoing title. This is the quote that he actually said. I'm excited beyond measure about it, and there's a signed contract, but beyond that, I just don't want to say anything else about it. Believe me, when it's a more appropriate time, you'll be, you won't be able to shut me up about it, I assure you. So, obviously, we can look forward to something. Some of the other books that he's written, for those of you who didn't have any idea what Batman was, he helped with Paul Dini and Chip Kidd both wrote Batman Animated, the book. Chip Kidd also wrote Batman Collected. The Batman Collected book I used to have when I was in middle school. I used to tear that thing cover the cover. I loved that book. And 
thing about Chip Kidd, when you get these other writers coming from other media, I always think, oh, you know, these spectators, they don't get Batman. They're going to get it all wrong. Chip Kidd has been writing about Batman. He knows the character. He has a passion. So whatever this Bat book is, it's going to be awesome, hopefully. Yeah, and there's some speculation that Chip Kidd, he's a huge fan of the 60s TV series, and there's been some speculation on the forums about the Batman Universe forums about how he might be maybe writing a book that has to do with the 60s universe compared to what we are reading now since it would be out of continuity. Since we already know that all the series that are coming out now are all going to be within the same timeline, time frame, besides the Kevin Smith book coming out in August, there's not really anything that's going to be like a mini-series or out of continuity. Not to say that Kevin Smith's book's going to be out of continuity, but it's not going to follow what's going on in the bad books currently. So it'll be interesting to see. Make sure you're checking out the forums because people, we're all coming up with awesome ideas of what it could possibly be as well as awesome ideas on all kinds of other subjects. Alright, so on June 11th, it was announced on DC's The Source again that Batman Robin number 1 completely is sold out. And that was only a week after hitting the shelves. There's going to be a second printing, and it's going to hit stores on July 8th with the original cover being recolored by Frank Quietly. So, if you didn't pick up Batman or Robin for whatever reason, you might want to pick up the recolored copy, or it gives you a reason to pick up another copy. Batman Robin, like I said, it got all kinds of critical acclaim from all kinds of websites. The source listed all kinds of websites that gave it awesome reviews. I'll be reviewing the comic when we get to our comic book reviews. And we should, this is something that I don't think this book is going to disappear. I'm positive this book is going to be in the top ten for the sales of this month, as well as some of these other bad books that are coming out as well. And I also reviewed the book over on Examiner.com. I have the Batman Examiner column there. I gave it very high marks, and you can go ahead and read that review and listen to what Dustin has to say. But this book is doing really, really well, and I'm happy that we have actually have a decent bat book out there. That's doing good numbers, you know, and some people are caught up, well, you know, it doesn't count because it's not Bruce Wayne back there. Just enjoy the fact that we have a successful and well-written Batman book. I think Grant Morrison and Frank Quietly, they work awesome together. They're, they're, they're like, perfect. They're like Loeb and Lee, Loeb and McGinnis. I mean, they, they just work. So it's an awesome title right now. Yeah, and hopefully it continues to be awesome even when Philip Tan comes on the book after Quietly Leaves, as well as, as we know, Fraser Irving, who we've interviewed in the past, is going to be working on the issues after Philip Tan. So hopefully it continues to be a good book throughout its 12-issue run and is successful and can maybe bring DC out of the rut that it's been in for a while. Although we've got Blackest Night right around the corner too, which is going to also help DC boost up a little bit as well. Yeah. All right, so the only other news we have as of us recording the podcast is on June 12th, DC's The Source, again, showed some new covers for September. Um, obviously, we're going to be seeing the solicitations in the next couple weeks. We, they might actually be out while, by the time you're listening to that, and if they are, make sure you're checking out the upcoming releases section under comics on the BatmanUniverse.net to see all of the different Bat books that are coming out in September. But they did show us a couple covers. They didn't exactly say which covers they were, but you're only led to believe which one's which. The first cover was for Batman the Widening Gear. We saw a cover for Batman Streets of Gotham and Red Robin. Um, 
also, they didn't actually say what they were. They just said, maybe you can guess what they were. But when you clicked on the picture to actually view the image, it actually would say Red Robin JPEG. So... <laughs> <laughs> What a mystery! <laughs> now, the one thing that's interesting is Streets of Gotham actually has Mr. Zaz in the cover. And Mr. Zaz, besides making a couple cameos here or there, hasn't really played a, a big role. And with August's book coming out, having Tommy Elliott as Bruce Wayne appearing in the book, it'll be interesting to see if it carries into this Mr. Zaz and what Mr. Zaz has anything to do with that storyline. I'm glad, I'm glad that Zaz is coming back. That picture of Zaz... That looked so cool. So the the story can match. I mean, come on, man. Everybody, and the good thing about fans right now is that with Batman Arkham Asylum video game coming out, they're finding out about some of these characters, and Mr. Zaz is one. So having him on a comic like this, I think it'll just propel him as a as a future character. Well, future spotlight villain, I guess you can kind of say. Yeah, somebody who they'll maybe use a little bit more often. Mm-hmm. All right, so like I said... We don't have a ton of news to go over, and that's all we've got, so... That's all I wanted to know. Let's get into the book news. In other words, the trade paperback's coming out in the next two weeks. On June 24th, we have All-Star Batman Robin, The Boy Wonder, Volume 1. This solicitation reads, The talked-about hit Batman story by modern master Frank Miller and artist extraordinaire Jim Lee and Scott Williams is now available in softcover format. Lee and Miller join forces to tell a new version of Dick Grayson's origin in a high-octane tale that unfolds with guest appearances by Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Black Canary, and more. This volume collects issues number one through nine of this explosive series, plus a Jim Lee sketchbook and variant cover gallery. This is going to be 240 pages, and it's going to cost $19.99. Real quick note on this. Issues number one through nine. Seriously? <laughs> they, couldn't wait till, they couldn't wait till issue 10 came out. I mean, I know it's going to take forever, but seriously, they're just trying to milk this series for all that it's worth. Because it's Miller and Lee. The best thing about this book is... I mean, come on, bar none is going to be Jim Lee. I, I, like I said before in prior podcasts, Jim Lee and Frank Miller are oil and water. They're just not mixing together. I don't, I don't know why, but Jim Lee's artwork is amazing. I think that Frank Miller is a very good Batman writer in the 80s. <laughs> Nowadays, like, you know, we can never ignore the great work that he did with Year One and The Dark Knight Returns. But nowadays, I don't think he's in mink condition anymore. Yeah, I, I have to agree. It's ever since he put out Dark Strike, uh, Dark Knight Strikes Again. He's just he's trying to live off the fact that he had those great stories in the '80s of Batman. And I, I hate to say this, but I think his time has passed. I, I hate to say something like that. I really do because I love Frankman. I love him to death. But I think he needs to get a little bit like Rocky when Apollo Creed was coming after him. He needs to just go down to the gutters and come go back to basics. Just go back to basics. Get off that high horse. Go back to basics and just bring that gutter rotten Batman that he had and stick with that type. Because, I mean, he obviously you know, brought that to the forefront, and I think he's the best at it. Yeah, the most memorable thing about that series is the catchphrase, I'm the gosh darn Batman, which is the clean version of what I can't <laughs> say in the podcast. 
You mean you mean the I'm the blacked out, blacked out Batman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Batman. Alright, so let's get into our comic book reviews. Josh is gonna start off with Batman number six eighty seven. Alright, and this book actually was what a lot of people were wanting to see, like the fallout of Battle for the Cow and the fallout of Batman's death that some of the stuff was kind of blank in between the lines, but anyway, we start in the story, a flashback to years ago, Batman has, as Bruce Wayne, has just gotten back from a trip, and him and Alfred are talking about the alibi that the media's given him, and all of a sudden, Dick Grayson ambushes him, and actually, you know, gets one up on Batman, this is Dick Grayson back when he was Robin, and a more youthful Robin, and he's like, I got you, I got you, oh, don't be cocky, Robin, you didn't follow the rules, yeah, but I got you, ha ha, I'm gonna be running this place one day. So Alfred is, in the present day, looking at memorial cases of Robin's costume and Batman's old costume, looking longingly and regrettingly, and he's watching the news with the Bat's computer, and Nightwing, inside of the Batmobile, but not leaving it, is taking care of some business, and Alfred is criticizing him because he didn't get out of the Batmobile, and then he realizes that you're not even wearing Bruce's outfit, are you? Now, obviously, Nightwing staying in the Batmobile, you know, makes people believe that it's actually Batman in there. If he comes out as Nightwing, then the gig's up, but Dick is still having some issues wearing the uniform. And speaking of the uniform, flashback to Wonder Woman and Superman visiting the Batcave, giving Bruce's costume back to Dick after he recovered it in Final Crisis issue 6. And he's talking about, so, did Batman have a contingency plan? It looks like Dick and Tim are a little flabbergasted by that. They're not sure what to say. Alfred is his usual self-serving drinks, and Superman asks him how he's doing. Alfred kind of breaks down a little bit, and he's like, no, I'm not all right. My son has died. And Alfred and Dick are in the back of Wayne Manor later on. They're talking about how they want to handle Bruce's burial, and they said, you know what? You know, I don't want it to. I don't want the heroes to be in charge of this. I don't want them to do their usual thing, where there's a parade and a bunch of people and big speeches and his cape and cowl on top of a tombstone. He's not going to like that. You know, we, we he needs to die in private, like you know, just like the mystique of Batman. And in the small burial with the unmarked, we saw in Blackest Nights, we see what looks like Oliver Queen, Dinah Lance. I'm thinking that that's Wonder Woman and Superman. And Dick shows up, and he says, Batman is not dead, and he's not... I'm not talking about a metaphorical thing, like, Batman will live on forever. I mean, no one needs to know that Batman died. You know, we can't have this word leak out. As far as everyone knows, Batman is still alive. Meanwhile, Alfred is having some problem keeping Damien under lock and key. He's trying to get Damien to do his homework when Damien has snuck out in his little Robin outfit and is fighting Dr. Phosphorus. Before Damien could screw up and get himself severely hurt, Dick, in his Nightwing costume, steps in, takes command of the situation, and takes Damien back to the Batcave. In one of my favorite exchanges, you know, Damien keeps on protesting, and Nightwing yells at him to get into the explicit car. And I say explicit because we can't say the actual word. So Alfred and Dick are discussing the situation about what to do with Damien, and they realize that they kind of need to keep a closer eye on him, and Dick really needs to take him under his wing. Dick is still expressing some regret that he doesn't feel that he belongs there, he doesn't feel that he belongs in the Batman cow. So they go to the Wayne Foundation building and the penthouse underneath, which actually... In the days after Dick Grayson graduated high school and went off to college, that was Batman's headquarters in his Batcave. And because 
Dick is going to be his own Batman doing his own thing. This is going to be his headquarters. He's not going to just be stepping into Bruce's life, Bruce's Batcaven, everything. And he's telling Alfred about how, you know, he has to put on appearances and he can't even have Damien, you know, seeing him second. Which I think is this setting up for this title being the solo Batman title and explaining why we're not always going to see Damien. So then we cut to what's supposed to be two weeks later and the Scarecrow is terrorizing Gotham. And at the end, we get a last page reveal of Dick Grayson in his new Batman outfit getting ready to stop the Scarecrow. And it says, just the beginning. He's here. Who? The Batman. All right, so that's going to take us into Batman and Robin. Now, Batman and Robin, like I said earlier, being critically acclaimed, now you can hear my take on it. So we start off with uh, the cops chasing down this guy who honestly looks like a frog. And there's a couple other guys in the car, just henchmen. And they're taking out left and right they're taking out different cops they make a huge explosion what's really interesting is the explosion actually makes the words boom boom which is kind of interesting toad's like you know nobody's ever going to catch us the batman's dead blah 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 then out of nowhere we see a flying batmobile coming after this car which is kind of cool i'm sure apple if you had the chance he'd be going on and on about the flying batmobile So Damien, they show Damien actually sitting in the car. He's actually pouting because he told Dick that it was going to work. The flying Batmobile was going to work, and it sure in fact did. So then they exchange some words. They make the car crash. They drop it in the water. The henchmen get away, but they go after this toad guy. Well, as the toad gets out of the river and climbs up the stairs, Batman and Robin both punch him in the face exposing this ginormous suitcase full of dominoes. Then what ends up happening is they... a classic Bruce moment, in a way, where Batman holds this guy, Toad, Mr. Toad, by his leg, has him blindfolded, and has him being held from the side of this flying Batmobile. And Dick says to him, you know, you're a slippery customer, you're also heavy, so you better talk fast. You hear the traffic below, we're 300 feet up. So he starts talking and gives him a little bit of information, drops him, and it turns out he was only about like six, seven feet off the ground, which was kind of an amusing little point. As he tears off the blindfold, you see the SWAT team arresting him, and he's saying, well, you wait till pig comes, you'll never wish you were born. Then we go back to the Batcave, which kind of contradicts itself in some ways, because Batman and Robin came out before Batman 687, and I understand 687 was supposed to be the epilogue of Battle for the Cowl, but we see the same kinds of scenes where Dick is packing things up in the somewhat trash Batcave. Alfred's putting cloths on the Batcomputer. They're leaving Wayne Manor. They drive past the, the gravestones, and then they head to Wayne Foundation where they're working out of the basement. Just as interesting how they showed this in here, and then they had to show it again in Batman 687. I blame the editors for that. <laughs> then we show Damien working on the Batmobile, saying that basically it was him who created this flying Batmobile, and Batman himself, Bruce Wayne, tried to fix it, or tried to make it work, but it, he couldn't, so Damien did it. Then they start exchange. Alfred and Dick start exchanging some words back and forth about how... Dick doesn't feel like he should be wearing the cowl. Damien chimes in and says, you know what, maybe you should stand aside if you don't want to do it. I'm, you know, It's my destiny to become what my father was. 
Well, at that point, again, we hear Dick say to Damien, you know, just get in the car, which I have a feeling we're going to be hearing a lot throughout the different series. They leave, and afterwards, Dick beforehand realized that dominoes are also called bones, and they leave to go fight some crime. Well, then we see an abandoned circus area, and there's they show a bunch of weird-looking girls that are all with red, ratty hair, all the same faces and dresses, walking out of this place called Ghost Train. Then Toad's locked up. They show to- Mr. Toad locked up in jail, and they show a car driving down the road with somebody who has a head that's flaming. We have no idea who this is. It's not Mr. Phosphorus, which a lot of people would probably guess right away. Flying Batmobiles flying all over Gotham. They're making comments about how so cool it is to have a flying Batmobile. And then Damien starts making comments about how, you know, I, you know, just so you know, you have to earn my respect. I'm not, you, you're not going to just get it. You're not my father. I'm not just going to give you my respect for nothing. And then he says, lose your attitude, you know, just so you know, I can give Tim Drake his old job back. Which, as we get into Red Robin, we'll find out that's not the case. And then they said they've got these new things called paracapes. Meanwhile, on the top of GCPD headquarters, Commissioner Gordon's about to queue up the bat signal, and there's some officers saying, you know, he hasn't answered for months, There's no, he hasn't answered at all, I don't think he's ever coming back, and then as the signal's up in the sky, all of a sudden you see Batman and Robin, with their paracapes, gliding down to the earth. Then we go back to the front of Gotham City Police Department, where the guy with the flaming head is saying, somebody please help me, and some cops come out to help him, and they basically get burned or whatever. They don't actually show me. They just show him, show the officers being grabbed by the guy with the flaming head. Then we go to one of the henchmen who earlier was in the car with Mr. Toad who's saying he's got to get out of town with his daughter. And as he's about to leave, the other henchman shows up at the door. He opens the door and it turns out all these girls that were originally walking out of the circus are all there and they grab him and make him black out. He wakes up and he's tied down to a table, and there's some character that has a pig mask on. He's basically saying that the henchman should have never betrayed him, he's going to give him a new face and make everything perfect. We then find out that he actually has these masks that I can't tell what exactly they are, but they have some kind of steam smell thing coming off of them, which means they could have been scalps from, or I guess faces peeled off of somebody else, he glues them to these other people's faces, and then makes them perfect. Then he says that he's going to do the same thing to this henchman's daughter, because he betrayed him, and that's where it ends. And then it says the next Batman and Robin is the Circus of Strange, which shows a bloody domino, Damien being stepped on by a bunch of what appears to be these weird-looking girls' feet, and then Batman fighting some other characters. The one thing that's interesting is that I have this strange feeling that all these girls are not really girls. <laughs> that's Batman and Robin number one. Okay. How do you figure that? Red Robin number one. We open up in Madrid, Spain. There was a daughter of an outspoken Spanish politician who's been kidnapped by some people. One of them, who we'll later see, has the strange ability to make his hand go fiery. Now we see Red Robin... He's getting in the middle of the situation, and he's being a little more violent. And he's talking about how he's breaking some bones, and he's like, you know what? This isn't Gotham, and I'm not Robin, so I'm just going to you know, cross some lines here that I wouldn't be able to cross before. Red Robin runs into the guy with the hands of fire, 
and accidentally gets his hands burned while he's talking while he's suspects that he's some kind of cyborg. He ta- he winds up being able to rescue the girl though, and he goes back to his hotel room, and his hands are really, really, really badly burned. We find out that this is Tim Drake or Tim Wayne, depending on what he's thinking at the moment, behind the cape and cow, and he thinks back to what put him there in the first place. We have a flashback to how he got to where he was, and he's in the back cave, and he's talking to Dick. Apparently, Dick just took the Robin role from Tim and is giving it to Damien because he says that if Damien goes unchecked, he's just going to go around killing people. And Tim's like, well, that's great. You chose him over me to be your Robin? And he's like, oh, well, Tim, I still have a role for you. And Tim's just not having any of it. He's frustrated that Bruce is alive and he doesn't like Damien being in the Batman family. And Damien, of course, is mouthing off and Tim finally just punches him in the face and says, my name is Tim Wayne. Dick eventually has to get up on Tim to stop him from charging on Damien and attacking him some more, even though me and some other readers would have loved Dick to just let Tim go at it. Tim goes upstairs, <laughs> throws a bit of a tantrum, and starts damaging some stuff in Wayne Manor. We flash back to the current day, and over in Czechoslovakia, somebody's getting attacked by some mysterious creature who's saying some unintelligible words. And Red Robin alludes to this in the narrative and says that he didn't find out about this till later. We then go to Paris, and Red Robin is going around the world looking for little Bruce Wayne's alive and solving different crimes along the way. And then he's thinking about how he took the cowl and everything because the image was already tarnished. It's not like he could have been Nightwing or another established role because he didn't want to disgrace the legacy. And he felt that the Red Robin role was already disgraced between Jason Todd and the General and stuff. We then flash back to after Tim threw that little tantrum in Wayne Manor and we get five panels of Tim basically saying he's alive and then deciding that he's going to go out and look for Bruce and he's not going to give up on him. And Tim has his little map, and he's thinking about how he has to stay focused, not have any distractions, but he's actually being watched by some people, including some bald girl who's a little attracted to him. And they tell their employer over the radio that they've got him. And we go to the next page, and we see the employer. We do, and it's none other than Raz al Ghul, to be continued. Are you so desperate to fight criminals that you lock yourself in to take them on one at a time? And that's going to lead us into Batman Confidential number 30. And this looks like it's being the, the ending arc to Bad Cop, which this one is titled Police Brutality. Within this one, where we last left off from 29, Shanko had taken over the police academy. We then pick up there where we see an officer already wounded. What he then does is calls 911 operator, you know, says, is this an emergency? And he goes, yes, please, the police academy, which, you know, kind of sounds funny if you really think about it. He calls. Then Batman comes in from the skyline, hits Shanko, who is now the bad cop. And you see the other officer that's hurt. Batman and Shanko go into it. And then Batman just pulls up very lightly and, you know, tells him that, he you know, he needs to go back to to Arkham. And, you know, of course, he says, you know, call me back up. And he, then, of course, he goes to in a Batman again. And Batman is just like telling him to stay down. You know, it's already over. Well, Officer Shanko then tasers him. As he tasers him, he leaves Batman stunned. We see another officer hit him from behind. Shanko, being he was a detective, 
then gets the upper hand, and as you see Batman and the other officer down, he then turns over and he looks at his old partner. His old partner comes through the door, who's handicapped now, and he, he tells him to drop his weapons or I'll shoot. And he lifts up his visor and he just says, go ahead, pal, do it. And it's looking like now we know Shankle's reason behind this because he's wanting to die after what already had happened in the story arc, what the Joker had made his wife do, hung herself by telling her that she had cancer. And so after that, he realizes that his partner can't do it. He he says no. So Shankle then really tells him that I'll go ahead and find someone that can. And so he takes off. And when we see is Batman then get up, which is, you know, kind of right. Like it took him a while to, you know, recover from a taser. As Batman's getting ready to take off and he looks back at the, the young cadet, he looks at her and says, remember to date and use it. And then he takes off. And then we see what then looks like uh, Commissioner Gordon at a crime scene. And then he's looking like he's just needing a break. So then we see him at a game arcade with his young daughter, Barbara Gordon. And so they're there playing video games, eating popcorn, cotton candy, and just having a whole bunch of fun. And then Batman's back at the Batcave. He's looking at back some of the files that the video had at the police academy. And he's looking there. And he's seeing what Shanko had told his partner. And he's really now understanding that Shanko really just wants to die. We then pick up back again with Commissioner Gordon and Barbara. And then he sees a stun grenade come in and he's like, get down. And then you see Shanko say, don't don't anyone bother calling 911. A cop is already on the scene. And of course, you know, he's bad cop. And he then starts talking to Commissioner Gordon. And so he takes out his knife and he's really threatening Barbara Gordon to go ahead and kill her. And what will Gordon do? Of course, Shanko, knowing this, wants Gordon to retaliate by shooting him. And so young Barbara sees the, the gun fall as Commissioner Gordon had lunged into the bad cop. Shanko already had dropped Commissioner Gordon. And we then see Barbara Gordon pick up the gun and said, let my dad go. And he's like, Barbara, don't. And Shanko tells her, tell you what, kiddo. I'll let your pop go if you shoot me in the head. They're they're in that standoff, and of course, Commissioner saying Jeff, don't don't you know? And then he's like, monsters need to be destroyed, right? And he go, and of course, Batman comes in right behind Barbara, and it says, yes, they do. And then we see Barbara, of course, she's trying holding the gun, and as you see, Shanko, Batman then goes ahead and tells him that he once helped him that your partner found you found one of the that solved the the Margie Hennings murder, which was one of the cases that was talked about during the story arc because you were a good cop. And then Shanko drops a knife. We then see Batman go behind Shanko and wire straps him. And then Commissioner Gordon comes to Barbara and he goes, he's like getting the gun from her. And then we see Barbara did not actually carry Commissioner Gordon's gun. It was actually a gun from one of the arcade systems. So that was pretty cool and so then we see batman returning to arkham asylum and as we go he we see door to unknown patient within this unknown door that we had discussed before it was the joker cell and so in this last page it says dear batty wasn't bad cop a huge hope you had fun see you at the next chalk outline xxoo joker and then we see two of the helpers on the floor with uh, smiles on their faces and that's the end of Batman Confidential, number 30. Evening, Commissioner. All right, so then that's going to take us into our review wrap-up. We'll start with Batman 687. This is what I would have liked Battle of the Cow to be. We actually see some of the fallout of Batman's death. We actually see Superman taking the Batman cape and cow to the Batcave. We actually see 
the whole burial process and everyone talking about it. What bothered me about the other books is that everyone just all of a sudden knew Batman was dead and it was going on business as usual. And I would have liked a little more fallout to what actually happened and fill in some blanks because at the end of Battle for the Cal, it's just you defeat Jason Todd and then all of a sudden Dick is Batman and Damien's Robin. We actually see... Dick go through the thought process of putting on the costume and the sign here, and we actually see some more justification for why they're making Damian Robin. So they hit on some good beats here. I did like the artwork. I'm going to have to say three out of five batterings. Alright, the next thing we've got is Batman Robin number one. Now, I was kind of hesitant reading this book just because Grant Morrison lately has not been having the greatest run on Batman books. But I have to say, this book was actually pretty good. I was pleasantly surprised by it because it wasn't like typical Grant Morrison, I don't understand what's going on type writing. It was very simple, very plain Jane Batman story about Batman taking out a villain. I mean, even though we don't know very much about the villain and it's a new Batman, it's not Bruce Wayne, it gives us some insight. The only thing that I kind of didn't like, which it has nothing to do with Batman Robin, it more has to do with... Batman 687, is that Batman 687 came out a week afterwards and they were fixing things and filling in blanks that were already addressed in Batman Robin. And that's not anything against Batman Robin or Batman 687. That more has to do with the editor, Mike Martz. Sorry, you should have just caught something like that and fixed it so that it would have made more sense. You didn't have to tell the story of... Dick Grayson moving out of the Batcave in Wayne Manor to the Wayne Foundation building twice. That just didn't need to be done. And that take up that took up space in Batman 687 that could have otherwise been put somewhere else or not have been in Batman Robin, number one. Um, so I have to say, overall, this book was great. I liked the art. Frank Quietly's got his special kind of art that you have to appreciate, but it was good. It goes good with the simplicity of the story that's being told. And I'm looking forward to seeing more about the Circus of Strange and eventually Red Robin, which we know is going to, we're going to see later on down the road. I'm going to give it four and a half out of five batterings, just because five out of five. I don't. Th- this is a first issue. I'll wait till I actually get some more of this to actually give it, you know, five out of five, like some places some places have done. And that's going to bring us into Red Robin number one. I'd have to say my biggest complaint would have to be the narrative. It kept on moving around. First it was, you know, his current thing of helping out the daughter of the politician. Then it would cut to something that was going along in another country that he's talking about the future. Then it goes back to his tantrum. Then we go from his tantrum to the current day, back to before the tantrum. And if you look at the actual pages, you'll see what I mean. It sounds weird when I talk about it. But, like, there's a page of him after he smashes up the upstairs of Wayne Manor. Then they go to what happened before that. Then they go back to what happened after that between everything else. It's a little unclear how Tim thinks he's going to find Bruce Wayne going to all these countries. Like, what his plan is. I would have liked to see more about that. I'm not the big fan of the decompression of some of these storylines in comics where there was one page where it was five panels... And four of the panels were identical of just Tim's face, and he says he's alive. And that was it. That was a whole page. And that's a page where you could have had Tim saying, I'm going to Spain because, you know, blah, 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 and Bruce Wayne citing here or there. That would have been useful. Otherwise, I like the issue, and I like how they kind of explain why Tim is Red Robin, Batman family. 
I knew that there would kind of be a breaking up the, of the relationship between him and Dick. I was just surprised about how it went down that Dick actually removed him from the Robin role. That's some cold stuff. And I am going to address something that some fans on message boards and blogs were talking about real quick. And when Tim calls himself Tim Wayne, a lot of people were surprised as if that came out of nowhere. After Bruce adopted Tim a few years ago, it's been kind of inconsistent what Tim's last name has been within the stories. We've had some writers refer to him as Tim Wayne and some as Tim Drake, but they've never explicitly said who it was. And Fabian even said in a posting online that DC isn't really too sure about it and that he even pokes fun at it in an upcoming book, which was Gotham Gazette Batman Alive, where Vicky Vale's like, is it Tim Drake or Tim Wayne? This book does confirm that it's Tim Wayne, so it's not something that came out of nowhere, this issue. This issue was actually resolving this question that's been in our minds since 2006. So it's going to be hard to call him Tim Wayne, though, because we know him as Tim Drake, and it's going to be hard to call him Red Robin because we know him as Robin, but hey, let's see how this series goes. Even though I had those complaints about the narrative and stuff, it did have a promising start. I'm going to say four out of five batterings. That's going to lead us into Batman Confidential, issue 30. I love the series. I mean, you've heard me talk about this series before. And wrapping up this story arc with the, the bad cop, I thought it was it was very good because it gave you some insight of Joker having his hand on a story but not really being ever in the book. So it, it's it's kind of that aspect where he, he created a new villain for Batman while never hardly ever really being in the book. So... I like that story. I love the story. Grissenberger, who who was a writer on this, I, I loved it. I liked I liked excellent writing. But Scott McDaniel. I mean, what can we say about Scott McDaniel? I mean, he's consistent. His art continues to evolve into his style, and I'm so happy for him because it, it's wonderful work. Owens, who's the his doing his inks for him, wonderful inking with the shadows. It, it, it's just like a little perfect book. I know that there's. This book is not for continuity lovers. They may say, like, well, look how old Batman is, and then Barbara Gordon is like a little girl. They're not even that different in age. This, Like I have said before, guys, this is just a fun book that you can just pick up and enjoy. Yes, it's not going to have the great continuity parts of the book, but it's just going to be a story that you can pick up and love. Batman Confidential doesn't have the big events and the and the big crossovers like they're doing with the Battle for the Cow, but I really love this book, and I'm going to go ahead and give it four out of five batterings. That's the end of our comic book reviews. Let's get into our discussion, which is actually just a real quick mention, I guess, of the fact that we called the setup of the Batman family. Obviously, Dick Grayson is now Batman, Damien's Robin, and Tim Drake is Red Robin. Those are the only ones that we're going to change. We knew we were going to change, and we predicted correctly. Although I do have to say, I mean, obviously, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to kind of figure out that. So as much as I'd love to say we did the impossible and solve something, we really didn't. Now, when we get into Batgirl, on the other hand, that's a different story. And we've been talking about Batgirl for a ton of episodes because it's really the issue that everyone keeps talking about every single two weeks that we record. Somebody at some point released some kind of information about Batgirl and then we talk about it. I'm still stuck on spoiler, uh, Stephanie Brown becoming Batgirl, but the fact that there's two different Batgirl costumes and on two different covers makes me kind of think of an idea that I, that I wrote down on the forums if you want to check it out head over the forums and go into the Batman Allies section. 
there's an idea that I have where maybe there's more than one Batgirl, and Oracle, Barbara Gordon, is actually leading this team of Batgirls that's actually Cass Kane, Stephanie Brown, and Misfit. Now, do I think that's a legitimate option? No. But I think it's an idea that I'm going to put out there as my second choice, and Stephanie Brown's my first choice. I like Stephanie Brown. I, I want her to be Batgirl. But... You were right about the about the different costumes. It reminded me of that animated film, The Batwomen. And I was thinking, yeah. what if Oracle is controlling like three Batwomen at once to to patrol Gotham? And I was like, you know, that's a very interesting idea. You know, that's very cool to see. I just don't know how I would feel about it once I start reading it. If you guys aren't listening to the Batman Universe specials, you really should because we just interviewed Adam Beechin, and he's the guy who turned Cassandra Cain evil. And in the interview, we asked him about, you know, what do you think about there being a new Batgirl? And he goes on his little thing, well, I think it should be Cassandra this, you know, Oracle's great in his role. And Stephanie's greatest spoiler, we didn't bring up Stephanie. He said that. So was that a slip? Does that mean something? I'd like to hope so. That's something that's really interesting. We didn't bring up Barbara Gordon either, and I don't think he actually mentioned Barbara Gordon. He did. did. I listened to it again. Okay. We asked him, who do you think should be the new Batgirl? And he said, well, I think it should just be Cassandra Cain. And he went on a big, long spiel about how, you know, he doesn't feel like she had the chance to really be, be Batgirl. But then he went on to bring up Spoiler, which was really interesting, and the time Josh was typing me during the interview saying, did he just bring up Stephanie without us asking, which was really interesting. So maybe there's something with that. There's always something that we can get out of some type of news that comes across or something we learn every two weeks. So next episode, I'm sure we'll have something else in relationship to the Batgirl front. So that's pretty much all we need to go over for the discussion. Like I said, we're not really going to sit here and go on and on for a discussion this time because there really wasn't a whole lot of news to talk about. We didn't get a 20 questions for some reason like we normally do to discuss, so that's something we'll probably have two of them the next episode we have. So let's throw it over to the kids for Batman Brave and the Bold. In this issue of Batman the Brave and the Bold, Captain Marvel and Batman team up to go against an evil sorceress who is trying to regain her youth by stealing children and using their tears to make herself younger. Luckily, Batman and Captain Marvel do save the day. But enough from me. Let's hear what the kids had to say about it. What did you think of Captain Marvel? Did you like the ending? Yeah, I sure did. It was pretty cool. This next part, what did you like about the book? That when Mr. Marvel turned into a big dragon. You like that part? Was there anything about it that you didn't like? When he tried to kill Batman. Oh, why didn't you like that part? Because Batman's a good superhero. Mm -hmm. Captain Mark, yeah. Who do you think would win, Captain Marvel or Batman? Batman. Why Why Batman? Because he's a really good person. He's really good at fighting. And I like the, the steel, the, um, steel uh, spikes on his, on his arms. I would like Batman to win because Captain Marvel got nothing on Batman. Batman has hand-to-hand combat. He has weapons, 
It tells Batman me. Batman rules and the other dude sucks eggs. Batman rules and the other the other guy name? sucks what's eggs. Say what? Captain Oh, DC Comics. DC Comics? Batman's the best. Make him a known comic. Or a video game. Do you like the Brave and the Bold comic? Yeah. What do you think they could have done better? Killed her. <laughs> you want them to kill her? <laughs> How come? Because she's evil. Okay. So you would have changed the ending to have her to have her be killed? Um, she captures um kids. Why does she do it? No, no, no. She was she was using the kids' tears to make herself younger. Make herself younger so she could throw up. <laughs> Should they have killed her? Yes, she was a bad, bad witch. Alright, so that was Batman Brave and the Bold. Let's go over to Nick with Bat Books for Beginners. Hello there and welcome back to Bat Books for Beginners. My name is Nick and today I'm looking at Batman Going Sane. This book covers issues 65 to 68 from the Legends of the Dark Knight series and it's written by Jim DiMatteis and art is by Joe Statton. And the basic premise of the book is what would happen to the Joker if Batman wasn't around? Let's find out. You know, Bats, we've been doing this little runaround of ours for years. It's been loads of laughs. But the sad fact is, none of us are getting any younger. The book opens with an act of sabotage by the Joker, who attacks a street parade and sets off a bomb in the process in a Gotham neighbourhood, killing many civilians. The Batman decides that enough is enough, and this is now the third time the Joker has appeared, and it's one too many. The Joker captures Councillor Kenner, an important city official. The Joker then lures Batman to a shed in the wilderness and pretends to shoot the Councillor, but it's just a doll. Instead, the Joker detonates a bomb as he leaves the house, and it seems to kill Batman. Joker cannot believe this. He's killed his enemy. And now he tries to figure out what to do with his life now his audience is gone. Bruce is then found washed up on a riverbed with fatal injuries and he's close to death. He's taken in by Dr. Eagles who begins to care for Bruce. They later form an attachment as he learns of her life and begins to re rediscover the part of himself that existed before his parents were murdered and really begins to learn more about himself without the shadow of Batman looming over him. We later see that the Joker has taken on the name of Joseph Kerr and is now living a normal life with his skin problem solved and a job and an apartment and a girlfriend. However, glimpses of the Joker persona do jump into his life, shocking him and causing some psychological problems. And he has terrible nightmares of the life he used to live. He begins turning upon his girlfriend who is scared for his well-being and as an apology he proposes to her and she accepts. Batman then returns to Gotham once he is fully healed and he also appears to Commissioner Gordon. He's on a mission to track down the Joker, who has mysteriously vanished. Batman tries to find the plastic surgeons who worked on the Joker, but that surgeon was killed after the operation was done. 
Instead, he finds the man's wife who confirms his suspicions that the Joker has attempted to blend in with society. Bruce tracks down Joseph Kerr and decides to pursue him, since Joseph Kerr has left for a holiday with his fiancée. The Joker, whilst on this holiday, feels he cannot hide from the Batman anymore, and his previous persona is trying to get through. As much as he tries to move on, he can't. He reverts to his old ways and abandons his fiancée, returning to Gotham. He kidnaps Councillor Kenner again and informs the police, drawing the city's attention towards him, to let Gotham City know the Joker is back. He's at sea on his boat with the hostage. Once Batman arrives, he lets her go and tries to detonate the boat they are on. The Joker tries to fly off with a jetpack, but Batman clings on and they both fall into the sea. Batman saves Joker from drowning and returns him to Arkham Asylum. We see that Rebecca Brown, his fiancée, is still wondering where Joseph Kerr is, suspecting that he's out there, troubled by his demons, and she hopes that he remembers her in his twisted mind somewhere. She's completely unaware that she was that close to marrying the Joker. But... You can't make an omelette without breaking some eggs. <laughs> In review, I felt this was a, a really good story. Really enjoyed it. I feel that any Joker story needs a good dose of psychology. This one certainly had it. Plenty of Joker psychology regarding what people find funny, how the Joker works, how Batman works as well. And I think you need to work on those areas in a book like this. I thought that the Joker at certain points even looked a little bit insecure for when he took um, his hostage to a cinema to watch a comedy. The hostage didn't laugh and he was not very happy about that. He needs the laughter to satisfy him. And I just felt this was another story that illustrated Batman's presence or lack of presence in this case on other characters. The effects that Batman can have upon characters. Some good points about the book. I really enjoy the fact that Joker likes his old-fashioned comedy films with Charlie Chaplin and so on. I thought there was a, quite a good uh, moment when Joker actually killed, thought he killed Batman, but wasn't expecting that to happen. He thought that Batman was faking it or something was going to go wrong, and he couldn't believe that he'd actually killed Batman. Of course, he didn't in the end, so he was correct. Something did go wrong. I thought there were some very good moments with Alfred when Batman has disappeared, no one knows where he is. No lines at all, it was just Alfred wandering around the Batcave on his own, looking pretty upset. Worked very well, simplistic art, simplistic storytelling. Good job. Uh, there was a little moment when Batman returned from his disappearance to Commissioner Gordon and spoke about how he has to hide his pain because he's Batman, he's more than just a man, and he wouldn't let Gordon see the injuries he had sustained. I really enjoyed the moments when Batman and Joker separated and went their own ways. You had two men who went their different ways and found happiness without each other. And it just makes you wonder what would happen if one of them wasn't around. And also Batman decides to pursue the Joker. If he dropped it and left it, the Joker would probably never return again. Of course, that raises a moral dilemma. Should you leave the Joker alone? At least then the Joker would never return, but he also is never going to pay for his previous crimes. So you get a bit of a moral question there. I thought it was a very tragic love story, especially involving the Joker's fiance. and I thought um, that was really well done and probably one of the best tragic love stories I think I've seen in any of these bad books so far. Because it was about the Joker wanting to do something more with his life, but unfortunately... Thanks to Batman, he ended up doing what he usually does. 
A few negatives were that I felt the story jumped around a bit much. We were going forward in time, backward in time, and flashbacks. It wasn't all linear, so we would jump forward a little bit, and then we would see what happened in the past, and I found it a little bit confusing at times. Maybe it would have been better to keep it slightly more linear. And I also wanted to see a bit more of the transformation of the Joker, because what we got was the typical Joker saying, right, I'm going to retire, I'm going to go and live a normal life. Next time we see him, he is a normal man. I wanted to see that transition from crazy Joker to normal man, but we didn't get to see any of that, unfortunately. It was talked about briefly, involving like the plastic surgeon and so on, but that was about it, which was a bit of a shame. I was also a bit unclear as to whether the Joker was aware of his previous life or not. It seemed that he probably was, but you could also raise a case that he wasn't aware of his previous life and had some sort of temporary amnesia. I thought that was something that was a bit unclear and and should have been addressed. Overall, though, I'd definitely give the book 4 out of 5 batterings. I do think this one slipped under a few people's radars um, as a great Joker story. I mean, it's not the killing joke, but it's not far off. It is a pretty good one. And if you're a Joker fan and haven't read this, you better go and check it out. Then why do you want to kill me? <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to kill you. What would I do without you? Go back to ripping off mob dealers? No, 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 you, you complete me. So that's BBFB done for this time. Head on to the BatmanUniverse.net forums if you've got any comments or criticisms or praise you'd like to make about this segment. Any suggestions, I'd welcome it very much. And next time I'll be reviewing the much-anticipated Long Halloween by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. And this will be an extra long segment due to the size of the book and, of course, it's the Long Halloween. There's going to be so much to talk about. If you've got any um, emails you want to send me before then, feel free to send them to nick at thebatmanuniverse.net and... Maybe I'll be able to include them in the segment. But until then, this is Nick. See ya. It's over, Joker. Over? Why, my dear delusional dark knight. It hasn't even begun. <laughs> Alright, so that was Batman going sane. Make sure you pick up Batman the Long Halloween. If you don't own it already, you, this is a book that you definitely should own. That's going to be in the next episode. Let's get into your upcoming releases for the next two weeks. On June 24th, as we talked about earlier, All-Star Batman Robin the Boy Wonder, Volume 1. Batman Brave and the Bold, number 6. Detective Comics, number 854. Gotham City Sirens, number 1. Moving into July, the first week. July 1st, only two books. Batman Robin, number 2. And Batman Confidential, number 31. Next time on the podcast, we will be covering... Batman Streets of Gotham, number one. The Outsiders, number 19. Superman Batman, number 61. Detective Comics, 854. Gotham City Sirens. And we might just be doing a Batman Brave and the Bold Kid review again. So, make sure you email us at comicpodcast at thebatmanuniverse.net. You can join the forums. There's plenty of people always on the forums. There's, on average, around 25 posts a day from different people talking about all kinds of different Batman things. Leave us a review on iTunes, MySpace, Facebook, Blogspot. You can check us out on all of those avenues of media. And then make sure you are listening to the Batman Universe podcast as well as the Batman Universe specials as we are going to be having all kinds of specials between now and the end of summer as well as the Batman Universe podcast where we will be discussing all kinds of things 
related to the normal avenues of Batman as far as movies and TV and video games with the expected launch of Batman Arkham Asylum. Also, make sure you're listening to the next episode of the Batman Universe podcast because we will be discussing some things that we'll be doing in depth for San Diego Comic-Con since we will be live from San Diego Comic-Con. So, with all that spiel, I think that's pretty much it for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Apple. You got Josh. And you've been listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Take care, guys. Take care, guys. I was going to say, like, spay and neuter your pets. Uh. Robin runs into the guy with the hands of fire, suspects that he's some... I said Robin. This is going to be hard. Memorial costume. You know, very long You just cut out. You cut out right now. Oh, can you hear me now? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. We then go back to... Uh... Where is he now? We don't. He's all over the freaking place in this book. Favorite uh, exchanges. Dick's just like, get in the. I can't say uh, no. Car, can I? No. Just yelling at Dave.